Welcome to episode 31 of Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast, now in season three. This is still the only place to get the key information about abusers, what they do, how you can spot them, and simple ways to keep yourself and your family safe. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan. I'm here because I'm a social psychologist and a relationship consultant. I'm also an expert in domestic abuse and violence, revealing both effective prevention and improved response. Social psychology is the study of power dynamics, of learning and influence and persuasion and manipulation. It's the field that explores mind tricks that can be used to change your beliefs and your behavior. It's the ideal science to lay bare the cunning moves used by abusers to lure in and trap new victims. In social psychology, we not only study what it takes to maneuver people like puppets on a string, people in my field of study conduct experiments to learn how to convince people they did those things of their own free will. Yes, you can insert maniacal evil scientist laughter here. I promise that's not how I've used this knowledge, as you know. Some years ago, I did a deep dive into the tactics used by abusers to gain total control of their victims. I wanted to help people identify when they're being taken advantage of and know how to protect themselves. I call this early warning program unmasking the abuser. And since 2020, I've been offering these insights, this superpower in this podcast, as well as in books and articles and through education and training. The knowledge I'm sharing works whether it's a romantic context with a new or existing or former partner, whether it's your family, in friendships, in your work situation, and even in the wider culture. Today, I'm going to continue on that quest and reveal a powerful behavior that's linked with significant risk of abuse, but it's rarely talked about. It wasn't until I was appointed as a commissioner for the state of Victoria, the state where Melbourne is the capital, that I came across this information And I was absolutely horrified to realize what a big knowledge gap I'd had. You probably have it too. So I'm going to share that knowledge with you beginning in a few minutes. Before I do, I want to mention something that's been happening more and more often over the past year or so. This podcast goes all over the world. And I receive emails from individuals and couples and organizations asking for my help. In case you don't remember, the email address is unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Now, getting these applications, these submissions asking for my help, made me figure out something. I knew I had to come up with some logistics that allowed me to be able to offer my help, both practically and legally. 
you may not realize offering any type of assistance is not only time-consuming, there are also legal and ethical ramifications that have to be taken into account. So, in the meantime, I've done all that, I did my research, and I want to let you know, if you'd like to have my help for some short-term informational assistance, or if you'd like me to speak at an event, do some training, or you'd like my help to customize a project for your agency or company, I've made it easier to do that. All you need to do is head over to my website at www.drdinamcmillan.com. That's www.drdinamcmillan.com. The title and name are all one word, all lowercase. If you don't know how to spell it, go to your favorite search engine like Google and just type in Dr. Dina, that's D-I-N-A, and then TEDx. My TED Talk will pop up and it includes my full name so you know how to spell it. On my website, I offer a range of ways to hire me to assist you or your event or your organization in person or virtually. Please know, if you'd like my help with a personal issue, I can legally offer information, but I'm not able to provide therapy. We can still meet virtually or in person, and I can give you the benefit of my experience and my understanding of abuse. All good? Now, let's get to the reason for this episode. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan, and you're listening to the Unmasking the Abuser podcast. Today, I'm exposing a secret element that places people in significant danger of being abused. Now, the area of secrets is an incredibly powerful one. Keeping a secret with someone creates a durable bond. This is a fact well known by manipulators of all kinds including abusers, pedophiles, and groups trying to influence our children, who encourage children to keep secrets from their parents. But secrecy is more than just giving someone information and saying, ooh, don't tell anyone. There are ways to keep something secret, to keep it hidden and generally unknown. You should know about these and look out for them when you're reinforcing your shield against manipulation. Briefly, one way to keep something secret is to conceal it completely. Put it away so no one can see it or know it's there. That's the most obvious way to keep something hidden. Another way of keeping something secret is to hide it in plain sight, to add it to a whole list of other things without mentioning its importance relative to the rest of the group. Most of those who notice it anyway will take its position to mean that it isn't a big deal, that it's not a major issue. It's not highlighted, so it must not be important. 
This is one of those scary ways we can all be misled and influenced without realizing it. There are other ways to keep something secret that abusers love, in addition to what I mentioned before. Earlier, I noted that they tell their target that something they've said or done is special and secret, and they've never shared it or done it with anyone else. This is a lie, a blatant lie. But if their target believes it, this quickly builds trust with the abuser and forms a bond from the target to the abuser. But abusers also love to use misdirection. It's another effective way to keep something secret or to minimize it so much it shrinks and soon gets lost or forgotten. The abuser will purposely distract attention away from whatever it is they don't want their target to notice. With abusers, this is often the reason for those big positive gestures, the super romantic declarations of love, the gifts, right when the target starts to notice something is seriously wrong with this guy. Discrediting the source who tries to expose important information is another cunning move to keep something hidden and to make sure it doesn't become widely known. Instead of responding to the disclosure, attention is turned onto the person or the group who made the revelation. They're called cruel names and said to have malicious intentions, or it's said that they're jealous or envious, or they're even mentally unsound. I've seen abusers do this when their exes try to warn their new target. I've also seen this tactic used, and so have you, by political groups and social movements and even governments. This is pulled out whenever proof appears that disputes something they support and promote. They discourage their followers from even considering the evidence, even if it's solid, because to do otherwise is a betrayal. They sometimes then misdirect their followers, offering them incentives to stay the course and ignore the dissenting information. They use prominent role models to reinforce the view they want their followers to keep. And better or worse, it usually works. Well, what else? Well, leaving out something important when directly asked is another way to keep a secret. This can be done purposely, as with abusers and manipulators, or it can be for a range of reasons, some of them may even be benign. Whether purposely or maliciously, even later, you won't be able to say. And that's the situation with the element I'm discussing today. I recently read a document that listed a wide range of actions to be put in place to reduce domestic abuse and violence. There were at least 140 items on the list. Yet what I found to be a significant issue to add and to increase awareness about wasn't mentioned once. Not once. Well, what is it? What has a significant influence on your likelihood of being abused and you probably don't know it or don't know how crucial it is? 
It's gambling. Don't groan or act disappointed. Gambling is not only in casinos and certain cities like Las Vegas and Atlantic City. Some countries like Australia have gambling available everywhere. In fact, Australians have the highest spend on gambling and the greatest financial losses to gambling in the world. But the booming popularity of online gambling has brought it into the lives of anyone interested, whether you live in the city or the country. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's often linked with any sports event that's broadcast. And it's not just destroying people's credit scores and financial futures. Because Australia has so much gambling, some of the best research in the world is done there. Professor Nikki Dowling, Aino Suomi, Alan Jackson, Neerly Hing, and Alex Russell are all professors and researchers that have been doing fantastic work for more than a decade. There are some disturbing findings in the U.S. too, and in Canada, and the U.K., and in Europe, and I'll get to that in a minute. What these university professors in Australia have noted in their many research studies is that having a romantic partner with a serious gambling issue triples your risk of having abuse in that relationship. Yes, I said 300% higher risk. They didn't just find this from their own studies. Dowling, Suomi, and Jackson did a meta-analysis where they looked at published studies done all over the world to see if there was a link. They were very rigorous in the studies that they selected, and they ended up with 14 out of almost 2,000 that fit their exacting conditions. And those links held up. That's not all. Way back in 2002, a study led by physician Robert Muleman and other doctors at the University of Nebraska found statistics that made my hair stand on end. His researchers approached every injured woman presenting at the university hospital emergency room over a 10-week period. Of course, if the woman was critical and had to be rushed to surgery or was unconscious, she was excluded. But 86% of the women agreed to speak to the researchers. That's 286 of the 300 women approached. And the researchers found women with partners who gambled at a severe level were 10 and a half times more likely to end up in the emergency room. So, do I have your attention now? Do you understand why I believe this is important enough for a podcast episode? Important enough to be included in all information about domestic violence and abuse, especially if you're talking about prevention? Keep in mind, the Muleman study was conducted in 2002. That's 21 years ago. You'd think people concerned about domestic violence would jump right on that and warn people. They tell women getting involved with a man who gambles excessively won't just mean you'll be facing a life of debt and dishonesty. 
you're also risking being emotionally and even physically abused. But no, general silence. Perhaps those working in domestic violence didn't believe the issue was big enough or affected a big enough population to worry about. But we've already talked about how gambling and gambling addiction have exploded thanks to online gambling opportunities. And in North America, they've allowed Native American tribes to put casinos on their lands, even in states where gambling is illegal. But there's no excuse for this omission in countries like Australia, where gambling is a national pastime, or to ignore the links between gambling and abuse. Professor Nearly Hing and her team have noted that when there's already manipulation and control in a relationship, it gets significantly worse if the controlling partner begins to gamble more often and with larger sums of money. Gender norms that offer greater authority to males, combined with the fact that men are significantly more likely to become addicted to gambling, lead to a situation that won't surprise any of my listeners. It's a disaster. There are two other important points I also think I should mention. First, that research by professors Dowling, Suomi, and other research from the UK from Amanda Roberts, James Banks, Jamie Waters, and others, all show the abuse that can happen in these relationships can go in either direction. The person gambling to excess is at high risk of abusing his or her partner, but they're also at increased risk of being abused themselves. I think that may be because of the second point I want to make here. Working as a commissioner for the gambling and liquor regulator in the state of Victoria, the state where Melbourne is located, we had researchers and protesters bring in a lot of research on the topic. After doing that job for years and continuing to read avidly about gambling and its potential harms, I've come to a conclusion. Now, this is just my observation. I believe gambling to excess is more of a pure causative element than many other things people associate with abuse in a relationship like alcohol. Alcohol is a known disinhibitor. It lowers your impulse control and keeps you from fully recognizing the extent and potential outcomes of what you're doing. But it's not a causative agent. Someone with strong principles against violence isn't going to become violent because they've had a few drinks. They may say a few choice things they've been bottling up for a while, but they won't smack their romantic partner if they have strong values saying that's wrong. Gambling, on the other hand, adds a spark to a relationship like little I've seen, other than someone having an affair. Even in relationships without a skewed power and control dynamic, if one person becomes addicted to gambling, the fear caused by the loss of the family's needed resources combined with other aspects of addiction, deception, distraction, prioritizing the high from their drug of choice, which is gambling, over everything else. 
Gambling to excess is an absolute powder keg for the individual, their closest intimate relationships, and their families. A person addicted to alcohol or drugs have a range of issues I'm not trying to minimize. But a person addicted to gambling can quickly make their family homeless and leave their partner with debts that will take years or even decades to pay off. Keep in mind, gambling doesn't necessarily show like an addiction to alcohol or drugs. There's no smell or physical signs that can alert you to the problem. Many spouses and serious romantic partners don't find out until the roof comes down on their heads. Their house or belongings are repossessed. Their credit cards are cut when they go to buy necessities. The resulting level of anger and their level of fear can become overwhelming. People who've never been violent in their lives can sometimes find themselves acting out physically, emotionally, cruelly in a way they never have before and would never have expected of themselves. And I'm not excusing it. Putting your hands on someone else in anger is always wrong. I'm explaining how the violence can seem to go in both directions, even when someone like me, an expert in recognizing an abusive dynamic in relationships, wouldn't have classified the couple as being at risk of abuse or violence. Having your partner plunge you and your family into financial ruin is a whole different kettle of fish, as my mom used to say. Now, there are a few things you should know about gambling anyway. What is it about gambling that makes it so alluring in spite of the fact people know it's incredibly risky? Well, there is more to gambling than meets the eye. Winning at gambling releases a feel-good hormone in the brain called dopamine. So it feels really good to win, even if you're not gambling for money. Even winning those silly games that you may have on your cell phone or on your tablet or on your computer, when you get a high score, when they give you a little award, when you see that you're beating out other competitors... That also triggers dopamine in the brain, and it can get you playing longer than you thought you would. The people who develop gambling products know about this dopamine release in the brain. They know how it's triggered by winning. It's the reason for the bright lights and the immersive action in front of your face and the sounds that come about when you win or sometimes even when you just almost win. And here's something else important. Did you know that there are receptors in your brain called DAT that vary by person? What that means is some people have more of this DAT, these dopamine receptors in their brains than other people. People with thicker DAT, dopamine receptors in their brain, feel more pleasure when they gamble and when they win. Unfortunately, 
The greater dopamine reception by their brains also means they're more likely to get addicted and stay addicted to gambling. And while we're discussing this, there are a host of risk factors that can make someone more likely to get addicted to gambling. Those who are prone psychologically to form and maintain abusive relationships are also more likely to have addictions. Addictions to pornography, addictions to alcohol and drugs, and also addictions to gambling. Here's something else discouraging. I recently looked through some plans of action for some governments regarding domestic violence. In case you think I'm picking on one place, I'm not. These were from the U.S. and Australia. No mention of gambling. And here's something else. A program that's designed to assist people to understand gambling risks recently proposed a segment on stigma. They want people to understand the complexities around gambling addiction and also know that those who gamble at problem levels are human beings. It's the stigma, the sense of being disrespected, looked down upon, being seen as weak or even inferior that keeps a lot of people from seeking help when they realize they have an issue with gambling. I certainly understand and even applaud their efforts to reduce stigma so that people who gamble at a problem level will seek help. Fair enough. But in this campaign, the one I saw, they tried to shame women who don't want to date or marry someone who gambles at a problem level. They stress these men deserve understanding and compassion, not condemnation and rejection. Granted, but why would you try to encourage or even emotionally guilt women into getting involved with someone romantically who could ruin their lives financially and who is three times more likely to be abusive? Would people consider doing this around anything else? No, it's not even something anyone sane would consider. So why try to guilt women into dating chronic gamblers? Someone needs a firm talking to. I encourage everyone to actually do a bit of their own research on gambling. Research how addictive gambling products are designed to be. Find out more because it's now relevant for everyone. I think it's terrible that I worked in domestic violence and abuse and prevention for so long before I was finally exposed to the major risk factor that is gambling. And again, now that it's available online, gambling is relevant for everyone listening to this broadcast. Gambling is risky altogether. But if you're trying to keep yourself safe and reduce your risk of being in an abusive relationship, it needs to be front and center of your mind, just like all of the other risk factors I make available on this podcast, in my work, and via email. All you have to do is email me 
at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. A lot of you have already contacted me and I've emailed back an overall list of the tactics and strategies used by abusers, including the ones they use at the beginning when they're selecting a partner. For those of you working with the community in any capacity, but especially if you work in the field of domestic and family violence, look at your materials and see if they mentioned and emphasize gambling as a risk factor. I won't be surprised if you don't find it. If you don't find it, please try to introduce it. The research is available. Please look. And now you all know. This is another arrow in your quiver, another sharpening of your superpower. Every bit of knowledge you gain can provide you with better protection against manipulation and abuse. All you have to do is put it into practice. Let me know what you think. As always, you can contact me with your questions and comments at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's Unmasking Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Or please get in touch through my website that also contains information on my books, links to my videos, and the podcasts where I've been a guest. It has blogs and other goodies. My website is www.drdinamcmillan.com. That's www.drdinamcmillan.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan.